walking in a country road, and I've been chasing after my shadow. This is the Camino Podcast, episode twenty-two, and I'm Dave Whitson, your host. And this really will be <laughs> the last episode posted before I head off to Spain. Heading out in a couple days now. It's for real this time. And, uh, man, I can't wait to get there. And this episode is really the last major item on my to-do list, so now I just need that flight to hurry up and get here. Let me mention at the beginning of this episode that if you want to follow along with me and while I'm on the Camino, um, you can find me at the Facebook page for the Northern Caminos, which is the guidebook I've co-written with uh, Laura Perizzoli on the Camino del Norte, the Camino Primitivo, and the Camino Inglés. Laura and I will be rewalking all of those routes and also hope to cover the Salvador and the Ruta do Mar and hopefully some shorter side pilgrimages to Santo Toribio and Covadonga. So we'll see. It's an ambitious plan that we have in front of us and we'll be working hard. But if you check the Facebook page, we'll post updates from the road, pictures, updates on any of the routes. So if you see yourself walking any of those anytime soon, I hope that you find it to be a useful resource. And hopefully I'll be able to produce one or two podcast episodes from the road. We'll see what happens. That's, uh, again, ambitious, but uh, why the heck not? I got 22 episodes done in like six months. I can probably do one on the road. We'll see. Anyway, coming up in this episode, uh, we are focused on the Meseta. The Meseta. This is the section when people ask, you know, if I don't have enough time to walk the whole thing, what should I skip? People say the Meseta. Almost everyone, the Meseta. And what's crazy is when I decided I wanted to do this series, I sent out a bunch of queries, uh, opportunities for people to call in and be involved with, uh, with, with this series. And the two of the earliest sections to be taken voluntarily were the Mercedes sections. And so thanks to Miguel Cura of uh, Toronto, Canada, who's going to help talk us through the section between Burgos and Carrion de los Condes, and also to Ross Fields of the other Portland, Portland, Maine, who's going to take us from Carrion de los Condes onto León, they stepped up, and man, they had a lot to say about the Meseta. So um, let's just let this be a, a note for all of the new pilgrims out there. Don't automatically write off the Meseta. This is a memorable stretch of the Camino and an important one for the role that it plays in the walk as a whole. It is uh, it is symbolic, but <laughs> if you've ever walked there, you know it is also quite literal. This is sometimes barren, but often more varied than the literature and the reviews would make you think. And, um, you know, it's one of those stretches where if you were doing tourist stuff in Spain, if you were just sightseeing, you would never go to the Meseta. The Camino takes you there. And these villages exist to take care of pilgrims, or at least they did for a very long time. And so the connection is deep and meaningful. And I think that adds meaningfully to the experience. So you know, listen to the stories today, and, and I hope that they get you pumped for the Meseta in a way that other materials might not. So no Meseta hate here in this episode, just lots to appreciate. So appreciate it with us. Sit back, enjoy, and here comes episode 22 of the Camino podcast. Miguel Cura from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, joins me now to talk through the first half of the Meseta from Burgos to Carrion de los Condes. Thanks for joining me, Miguel. And to get rolling, what was the concept behind your first Camino? The concept, let me see. Um, for about a few years prior, I was basically jobless, directionless, overweight, under, uh, overweight uh, and uh, very, feeling very, very low. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm looking at my father, who, long story short... Uh, took up long-distance walking and did the Camino two years prior to that. Hmm. And in, uh, in the process of several walks that he did before and leading up to 
that uh, that first time, he lost 40 pounds, mm-hmm. uh, dramatically reduced the number of uh, diabetes medications he was on, extended his lifespan, improved his spirituality, brought a smile to his face, and I thought, I could use some of that. <laughs> so when he made plans for returning to the Camino in what at the time was uh, 2014, I took him aside and I said, uh, Dad, can I go with you? And he looked at me and said, Son, I'd be very proud if you went with me. And so he set off. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was, and uh, I'm, so I'm proud of him still because two years after that, in 2016, guess where he is? <laughs> He's Great. walking the Via della Plata. That's awesome. <laughs> Further and longer, and uh, with uh, less stops in between. Yeah, and. Uh, from what from what his Facebook posts are telling me, he's crossing rivers, fording through muddy fields, <laughs> being warned of thunderstorms by flocks of sheep, and apparently dining on yet another course of gorgeously delicious and cheap red wine, mm-hmm. and loving every second. That's awesome. So let's jump to the um, the focus of what we're really going to dig into, which is this stretch of the Camino Frances, the start of the Meseta between Burgos and Carrion de los Condes. Um, what ju- sticks out in your memory about this stretch of the walk? What sticks out in my memory is, okay, just uh, when, you're, when you're leaving Burgos and you leave the city, you're basically um, just walking outside of the city path mm-hmm. and you're coming up across the farmer's fields. And then you see this rise, that's, uh, that com- that, that's this mountain rise. Mm-hmm. That uh, that curves off into the uh, into the uh, uh, into the heights, and then you, as you're mounting that, um, in the midst of this gorgeous sunrise, you look back and you go, "Wow, I did that!" <laughs> and then you look in the direction of where you're going and going, "That's an awful lot of flat area." <laughs> it just keeps going. It's just nothing but. Uh, the only thing you can see on the horizons are windmills, and they're not coming any closer. No, they aren't. But you just, you know, it's one foot in front of the other. You figure, okay, I survived crossing the Pyrenees. I survived walking into Pamplona, limp and bleeding. I survived uh, walking through the rain. And is this part that I particularly liked. I appreciated the fact that the rain had stopped. <laughs> and it was bright and sunny. And oddly enough, the hell that people warn me about the mesetas, it's cold. No, it's hot. It's dusty. There's no shade. Bring extra water. It'll be miles and miles and miles of plodding. You know what? The weather was absolutely gorgeous. The wind was blowing. Mm-hmm. The breeze was just rippling through the grain because the mesetas are a breadbasket of mm-hmm. Spain. So there's nothing but green fields, you know, rippling fields all around you. And I'm going, well, this isn't so bad after all. You know, it's my blisters have healed up. Uh, uh, there's nothing but uh, blue skies uh, ahead of me, bright sunshine. At least I know exactly where I'm going. Mm-hmm. There's no way really to get lost because exactly one direction. It's over there. <laughs> what time of year were you walking, Miguel? This was um, around May. May yeah. 20, May 2014. And that's a, that is a great time to be in the Meseta. That's when it's still really green. Um, pretty vibrant, and uh, I, I think the poppies are out in pretty good shape. Is that? Do you remember the poppies along the way through here? Absolutely, the poppies and several uh, and several other uh, 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 gorgeous colors of flowers. Mm-hmm. So the first stage that people will generally walk through this uh, this part of the Camino is something in the range of Burgos to Ontanas, and that mm-hmm. is a bit long for some. That's, you know, 31 kilometers, so some will cut it shorter. If they uh, want to stay in Ornios, maybe they would make it a 20-kilometer day. Um, mm-hmm. And there's the very small rural albergue at the Arroyo de San Bol, um, the, the, the spring that's um, kind of in the middle of nowhere. So people generally will slice it up 20 to 30 kilometers, and you know, I, I definitely remember that first stretch that you described, leaving Burgos, and then kind of the approach to Tardajos, which is where I think a lot of people will get coffee. You know, that that first stretch, is it's okay. But I feel like once you get past Rabe de las Calzadas, it, like you're rocking through peak Meseda. Like, 
you are walking through the nicest part of the meseta where it like you described it feels a little bit like you are standing on top of the world like um there's nothing else above you you are you it's just you and the sky up there yeah, so that's exactly it. It's this nice, bright, big blue bowl. And were the, were the uh, tails right? Uh, there is no shade? Absolutely. <laughs> Did it bother me at all? Not really, because it wasn't hot. And I made sure that every, wherever I stopped, even if it was to get coffee, you know, you'll pop over to the, you'll pop over to the washroom and fill up your bottle from the tap. You know, you asked the, you asked, uh, the gentleman behind the, behind the counter if you could fill up with ice. And, you know, they'll be happy to. Mm-hmm. You know, take an extra bottle with you if you need it, but quite honestly, it's, it was not the soul-draining, punishing experience that I had been warned about, possibly because I was doing it in May as opposed to August. I would say, yes, that contributed to your experience. It can definitely be warmer in uh, July and August, and it can be um, a bit more difficult. But, but I would say that uh, people do this stretch a disservice when they identify the meseta as one singular place where it's all the same all the way throughout. I definitely get the feeling that the meseta is monotonous when you're, say, you know, in a, a walking after Sa'agun, um, when you're in that last third of the meseta. For me, that's where it gets a little bit boring. But this stretch, this is gorgeous walking and uh, really memorable stuff. This is when you get introspective. This is when you start asking questions towards God, the universe, yourself, Buddha, whoever you're, uh, you want to direct your questions to. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, it become, and it does become a meditative experience. You know? And you're doing it with, I think, a sense of ease and a sense of safety because, well, if someone's coming, you can see them. Because <laughs> they're, 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 they're just going to be this little itty-bitty speck and it's going to take off and then reach you. <laughs> I will say that the the girls in my group complain about the Meseta stretch uh, with summer crowds because it is really hard to find a place to go to the bathroom um, <laughs> <laughs> for the very reason you've described. <laughs> um, what's also nice about this stretch is it does split up really well. So for people who want to be able to get a sandwich or a beer or some fresh squeezed orange juice, you've got pretty regular stops. So after Tardajos for... Your first coffee, you know, you could have another quick stop in Rabe de las Calzadas. And from there, it's a couple hours to Ornios, where there's a nice little pilgrim store and a couple of other bars now. So you've got some options to break it up and, uh, and find some shade inside, even if there isn't any outside. No, absolutely. Knowing that you had the foot issues, did you, uh, did you jump in the Arroyo de Sambo? I <laughs> honestly did not. And this, so just so for people listening, this is the spring that's cl- where they say it has medical powers. Like if you wash your feet in the spring, you'll experience no more pain on the Camino. Honest, honestly, I did not because at, I did not know this at the time. <laughs> in my ignorance, I just said, well, that's, well, that looks really, really nice, but I need to keep my feet dry. So I'm just going to keep on going. <laughs> A missed opportunity. I missed opportunity. Yes, absolutely. So the stretch after the Arroyo, where you did not uh, soak your feet, um, is one of the most memorable stretches for me. The stretch approaching Ontanas, where it is flat, there is nothing in front of you, you feel like the day should be over if you're staying in Ontanas, but you can't see the town, and then all of a sudden, it just appears from this crack in the earth. You see the first building crack through the horizon. And before you know it, you have arrived in the town when even moments ago, you didn't realize there was a town there at all. I may sound a bit overly romantic about the experience, but well, absolutely. When you, when you see that, count, that town coming visibly closer and closer, you're going, okay, I'm going to put up my feet at the next bar and I'm going to have a sandwich and I'm going to have a cold drink. And there's a great bar for doing that right in the center of that town. And it's, uh, it's definitely um, come back to life quite a bit over the last 15 years with a, a number of albergues opening and just mm-hmm. a ton of services being made, being made available to pilgrims. And uh, one of its big selling points, a really nice public swimming pool that, um, you know, during a hot Mercedes day can be a big draw. So that's, that's definitely something that appeals to a lot of pilgrims. Uh, and all of the and all these facilities are available to you, or 
if you feel the spirit moving you, you can keep going. As you did, right? Like, well, like I did for the most part. Yep. Um, I did, however, did make a certain mistake in perhaps overestimating my abilities at some point or another because I do recall the moment I got the Carrion de los Condes, I checked my feet and discovered, oops, the blisters <laughs> are back. Okay, where'd I put those Epsom salts? So I yep. wound up staying at, uh, well, there are two convents there. Yeah. Uh, so I actually wound up staying at both of them. Mm-hmm. with my father. So the first convent, as you get into the town, is run by, oh, I keep forgetting the order of the sisters there, but they're, they're normally uh, uh, in seclusion, but they open up mm-hmm. uh, part of the, of the convent and have, they have private rooms, which you can have. Mm-hmm. So that's what my father and I did. We spent the extra on a private room with a private bath, and I laid in uh, my Epsom salts, filled up the bathtub half full with water, poured the salts, and went, ah. <laughs> That's what I need right yeah. there. I think you're thinking of the Monasterio de Santa Clara. Is that that's the... it? Yeah. That is it. That is it. Thank you very much for remi- for telling me. Yeah, right at the entrance to town. It's a, right it's a really nice spot. Uh, and and the ne- and then the next day we moved over to the other convent and uh, <laughs> and uh, wound up staying there for another day. I understand, given the pain you were walking through, the the desire to just jump right ahead to Carrion de los Condes, but let's jump back to a couple of places that we skipped along the way. Mm-hmm. I know that you spent the night in Castro Jerez, right? Yes. So that's about 10 kilometers after Ontanas, so you've got a walk that's along a really quiet road, just like a single lane paved road, basically no cars, trees lining it on both sides. Mm-hmm. You go past the ruins of the old monastery of Saint Anton, where there's a, a rustic uh, albergue set up today. And then Castro Jerez, which is one of the most unexpectedly lengthy towns on the Camino. This place is like three kilometers long and maybe two blocks wide, and it just skirts this hill. Um, mm-hmm. So you feel like you've arrived, but oh no. You've still got a ways to go. So, mm-hmm. what was your what was your Castro Hurry's experience like? Quite honestly, I mean, it was it was twofold. One, if I'm not mistaken, Castro Hurry's it kind of had this ruined castle on a hill. It does. So, if I'm looking at the castle on the hill, especially having walking through the those old arches as a student of history and going, that's the perfect place to put that castle. It has a commanding <laughs> view of the entire area. Uh, but uh, I also I also noted that in Castro Jerez, there's a certain bar mm-hmm. there that I'm, I'm totally blanking on the name now, but my father and I went inside for dinner, mm-hmm. and we wound up sitting down and ordering, and we noticed the, this picture that was on the wall mm-hmm. of this old gentleman that's wearing a, the classic Peregrino costume of a long robe, long brown robe, wooden, uh, leather sandals, this giant shepherd stick, and this old... Uh, wide-brimmed felt hat with the uh, scallop shell tied to the brim. Hmm. I'm going, where have I seen this picture? I've been seeing this picture practically everywhere, on newspapers, etc., on old clippings that have been plastered on walls from here practically to the beginning of the, of the pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the, uh, the owner of the restaurant is that guy. Wow. And he had his, and he had his credentials. From several different pilgrimages, not just in Spain, but he also retraced his route going from Spain to Rome hmm. and back on foot <laughs> in classic pilgrim gear. Yeah. No, yeah, that his staff was a simple walking staff. No backpack, he just basically had a leather pouch filled with, with a loaf of bread and a, and a classic gourd, not even a bottle, a gourd. <laughs> and he goes, this is the guy? That was him? And, and, here, and he's bringing us lunch. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going, well, okay, they're, they're, well, that's a standard. <laughs> you like him. Yeah. So did you make it up to the castle? I never, no, I never actually did. Oh, man, ne- next, next time. I never actually did. So that's the next, that's the next trip. I'm going, okay, uh, spend the night in town, but I'm going up to that castle. It's a great place. It's a, it's a really fun spot. And, uh, and yeah, the views are, are everything that you imagine from up there. We're in the second stage of this three-stage stretch, at least the way most people or the, the guides would advise you to break it up. So Burgos to Ontanas, and then mm-hmm. a lot of them will say 28-ish kilometers from, uh, from Ontanas to Boadilla del Camino. So mm-hmm. you pass through Castro Jerez. Then you have that 
really long, straight uphill out of Castro Harith, just going up, 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 up until you are basically on a table and you can stare back at the castle, at the valley below. And it's just an incredible start to that morning if you're coming out of Castro Harith. It's a great stretch. And from there, it's, you know, I don't know. In May, did you have sunflowers in this stretch? Yes. Absolutely. You did? Yes. The sunflowers were out. I mean, basically... Yeah. The only thing I, uh, that weren't out were the grapes, because it's the wrong season. The grapes mm-hmm. are just little eating their leaves. They're not even the, the fruit yet. But everything else, I mean, you see, you see the sunflowers, you see the poppies, you see the grain. It's green mm-hmm. everywhere. And it's all rippling, and it's still growing. And when the wind rushes over them, it, it, it's waves. It results in waves and going, this is gorgeous. <laughs> And it's uh, what what you're describing is in line with the the Codex Calixtinus's description of it a couple or a thousand years earlier when uh, the Codex said this country is full of treasures of gold and silver. It abounds in fodder and in vigorous horses. It has plenty of bread, meat, fish, milk, and honey. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it is poor in wood and full of evil and vicious people. So fortunately, that last part doesn't really hold true anymore. Thankfully, yes. <laughs> Evil and vicious people, okay, that was back in the day, walking through that area. It was nothing but smiles, and animo, and ultrea, and buen camino. (laughs) And not a lot of towns. Uh, Over this next 17-kilometer stretch from Castro Jerith to uh, Boadilla del Camino, um, there are just a couple of very minor stops. There's the old albergue now run by the Italian confraternity in Puente Fitero, the hospice mm-hmm. of San Nicolas. Um, and there's a, a small village after that, Itero de la Vega, where I imagine most people will stop for coffee or some food. But then nothing from there until Boadilla del Camino. Now, in Boadilla, I don't know if you didn't spend the night there, did you? I don't think I did, no. Yeah, so maybe you stopped at the bar. There is an albergue there, Albergue en el Camino, where you walk into Boadilla, and it, you know it's kind of a run-down old Meseda village, but then you pass through these gates uh, to the albergue, which also has a bar. Lots of people just stop there for food. And all of a sudden, you are in this oasis. The grass is bright green. There's a wading pool that's sparkling blue. It's um, it's like you have been transported into a different world. And for me, that's one of the most striking memories of this stretch is is pausing there for a bocadillo, if not uh, for the night. So uh, after you visit the castle next time, I recommend popping into uh, Albergue and, and El Camino in Boadilla for, uh, for a nice relaxing break. That's the next trip for sure. <laughs> Good. We'll keep filling out your itinerary for next time. The last stage in this stretch is um, is from Boadilla to Carrion de los Condes. It's about 24 kilometers, and the, the major stops along the way, you've got Fromista, which is about 5 kilometers down the road. You've got Vialcazar de Sirga, another f- about 15 kilometers from Fromista, and then the home stretch to Carrion. Does anything stand out in your memory from, from this leg of the walk? Mostly it was just, uh, as I said, everything was just kind of really, really peaceful. Yeah. I, and so, as I said, so peaceful I didn't even realize that uh, I was kind of, well, I'll be honest, I was kind of ignoring the dangers of my feet because everything around me was just, was just absolutely spectacular. And at the time, I'm going, I think I'm starting to figure out why I'm doing this. That's fascinating because you were in the greatest amount of pain of the trip during the stretch, weren't you? Mm-hmm. And yet, at the same time, you were having those those revelations. Yeah. Basically, I was trying to put into practice what had been uh, advised to me, starting from Burgo. I was basically given two pieces of advice from two very learned men. One was this old Afrikaner gentleman uh, who'd been who spent his entire life as a bush guide in, in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And he advised me that... Always be open to lessons of the road, especially the people you meet. Somewhere along the stretch, you're going, you're going to meet at least one person whom you're going to be friends with from the, for the rest of your mm. life. And the other piece of advice was from a pilgrim priest visiting from, from the U.S. who uh, concelebrated a mass in the cathedral at Burgos. And he took my confession, and he expanded further. Even your tears... The, you know, even your tears of pain and the blisters have lessons to teach mm-hmm. you. 
And that lesson was, blisters heal, and they get tougher. Hmm. So that pilgrim adage was right. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is voluntary. Mm. That's really nice. One of the really notable things about the Camino is the ability to translate significant stretches of discomfort into really notable memories and positive moments in your life, things that, that are, are transformed from potentially negative experiences into positive, life-altering moments. Absolutely. I mean, you have to let the miracle mm. happen. And this is the part that I think makes people skip the mesetas as a, as, as a whole and miss out on that opportunity because they start out and they start out in pain because they either they're not prepared or their packs are too heavy or, you know, something happens. And something, sometimes, something, sometimes even bad things happen to good people. And with that immediate rush of pain, we as human beings are... Our, our first reaction is to get away from the thing that hurts mm -hmm. us. With that said, all you need to do is stick with it and let the miracle happen. And then the road teaches you that you're tougher than this. The body adapts. The spirit opens. The mind clears. And then all you see ahead of you is that welcoming open road. It's only going in one direction. There's a beautiful blue bowl overhead the breeze is blowing, and it's inviting you. Just keep putting one step in front of the other, and at the end of the day, you rest. And when the views give way in this stretch to towns, they also offer you some masterpieces of Spanish art and architecture. Um, this this leg of the walk Absolutely. in particular has two really notable uh, churches. So in, in Fromista, you have the Iglesia de San Martín, which uh, was built about a thousand years ago and by most experts is regarded as one of the masterpieces of Romanesque church architecture with just some, some really impressive corbels going around the building. Um, and Vialcazar de Sirga has this massive hulking church that was a, a fortified church that has a, a really uh, lovely chapel devoted to Santiago with scenes from his life. So, so you have great stretches of walking out in the country, but you also have these incredible pieces of church architecture to dot the road as you move towards Carrión de los Condes. That's also part of the experience. I mean, this is, I mean, I, all credit to the people of the region and their preservation of such historical heritage. Mm -hmm because it's still there, and you can still imagine what it was like as a pilgrim walking along this road, seeing the castle in the distance, going, okay, those people are there to keep me mm -hmm. safe, and being welcomed in the arms of the church who treated pilgrims as sacred. And our walk through this stretch ends in Carrion de los Condes, and you've touched on it a little bit already, but any, any highlights or anything that people should look forward to when they end up in Carrion de los Condes for a night, or, or maybe even more than a night? Well, if you're staying more than a night, as I said, there are, there are two convents in, in Carrion de los Condes, uh, they, and they both have uh, vespers that go on where the singing from the nuns is absolutely mm -hmm. gorgeous. And, and there's also a very lovely pilgrim's mass that goes on at the end of the day. I believe it's from the, from the church that the second convent is attached to. And absolutely go. If, even if even if you're uh, you don't practice Catholicism, go anyway because they're extremely welcoming. The one other big thing in Carrion, especially after a few days in the Meseta, is there's a really nice river cutting through town. Really nice green banks, and if you make it across the river, there's the monastery of San Zualo, um, where you can go visit the remains of this thousand-year-old monastery, one of the most important in Castilla Leon in the Middle Ages. So. It's well worth a visit if you, uh, if you have the time and the juice. Absolutely. Well, we've, uh, we've made it. We've made it to the end, and you've made it through uh, the most painful and memorable and maybe even meaningful stretch of, of your walk. So I appreciate you reliving it with me, Miguel. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity.
I'm speaking with Ross Fields of the other Portland, Portland, Maine. And uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on to talk Carion de los Condes to uh, Leon, Ross. Oh, I'm glad to do it. Thanks, Dave. Um, and just to, I think, you know, we were just talking and you asked me to recap kind of uh, our uh, Camino, and it was mm-hmm. something that we had never really heard about before. Mm-hmm. And I had been uh, away for a few days uh, visiting family in St. Louis, came back. Kathleen said, that's my wife, Kathleen. Mm-hmm. She said, oh, I want to watch this movie with you. We watched The Way. Uh, we got done watching it. She said, uh, you know, we looked at each other and said, we got to do that. My <laughs> thinking that maybe in like three years, she was saying right now, that was in like February of 2012. And in September of 2012, mm-hmm. we uh, were walking out of uh, St. Jean. And uh, so it happened very quickly. And uh, it was, uh, uh, for me personally, it was just uh, an opportunity for, for more adventure. Uh, we've done a lot of different things, and, and uh, it was just a great thing to put your pack on your back and head out, not knowing what was going to happen each day. So uh, it was quite an experience. That's awesome. The walk from Carion de los Condes to Leon is split up in different ways in the different guidebooks, sometimes as a four-day mm-hmm. walk, sometimes as, as a bit of an ambitious three-day walk. We're talking about, you know, probably 93, 94 kilometers at least. And so that's that can right. make for three very long days. And you did it in four, right? We did it in four, yes. In fact, we were using uh, John uh, Briarley's book mm-hmm. and uh, didn't stick to it exclusively because it just, you know, we, we worked it as... Uh, worked best for us. We actually uh, completed the Camino in 41 days, mm-hmm. and that included uh, three down days. And one of them was in Carrion. Gotcha. So the first stage is uh, from Carrion de los Condes, and depending on where you're, you're headed, it could be towards, uh, you know, it could be a short day to Calzadilla de la Cueza, or more commonly to Ledigos or Terradios de los Templarios. So the most notable thing, though, leaving... Carion de los Condes is you got a long walk in front of you with not much going on. 17 ah. kilometers. What do you remember from that stretch? Well, the interesting part there was the fact that we had a couple of days before uh, Carion. Yep. We had been walking in the rain. And when we got, uh, when we got to uh, Carion, uh, we wanted to get a room. Let me back up just a little bit. We were walking with a woman, Gay Ford, mm-hmm. from New Zealand, who we had met the second day, and we actually ended up walking the whole Camino with each other. Hmm. And we we stayed in the same rooms together and everything. We just became what we called the three amigos, you know. Mm-hmm. So when we got to carry on, we had been wet for the like the two, two and a half days prior to that. We were wanting to treat ourselves. We were looking for a hostel uh, where we had our, our private bath and everything, went out to get something to eat. And that night, my wife, Kathleen, had uh, a stomach issue. Hmm. And so we actually spent an extra day in carry-on. And what was uh, what was interesting about that was that we had been kind of with a, a group. You know, you, you all of a sudden, you, re- you kind of uh, travel <laughs> along with a crowd and it was a, the energy was really kind of uh, high pitched and, and uh, it was uh, fascinating. But so our extra day in carry on kind of created a whole new Camino for us. Mm-hmm. And both uh, Kathleen was also having some uh, plantar uh, tendon problems yeah. with her uh, foot. And then Gay had uh, issues with uh, her tendons uh, uh, on her legs. Oh my so, gosh. We rested up for a couple of days, took several hot baths together and such. Not together, but <laughs> <laughs> took uh, hot baths. So heading out, having that long, flat stretch past the three picnic tables, basically, as it, <laughs> it's laid out, yep. was actually perfect mm. because it made made life fairly easy because both the girls were not in the best of shape, mm. uh, but they were ready to push on. So it, it made it doable for that day and everything. So you walk through a lot of emptiness and then eventually you arrive in Calzadilla de la Cueza, which, you know, paved roads are still relatively new to Calzadilla. It's a really small spot. Right. 
uh, an albergue that's been there for a while that has a swimming pool, which is a, a huge draw for sure. Um, one bar slash restaurant, but, uh, but a beautiful thing after those 17 kilometers. Right. And I, I'm trying to remember if, you know, cause we were there in, this would have been in October. And of course the big thing at that time, you'd hear people going, Oh, you know, places are closed. Mm. There was this, uh, this tension about not being able to find a place to stay. Hmm. We attempted to stay out of that as much and said, Hey, you know, we'll, we'll always find a place. We mm-hmm. didn't, we didn't have any reservations or whatever, you know, like, but we, uh, I remember getting, uh, going through, uh, Cal de Vila and saying, let's just, the girls were feeling good. And we said, let's push on to a uh, let it go. So there's a place there. That was the El uh, Palomar mm-hmm. that sounded like, uh, we, we knew that they were open for some reason. And we said, let's just make it almost to the top of the page, so to speak, in the book. <laughs> and uh, we pushed on in. And, and, and we noticed that it seemed like uh, we were walking with fewer people that day, just kind of by ourselves and made it a nice, easy trek. What were your reflections on the, the night in Ladigos? Uh, that night was, uh, for me, I really enjoyed dinner. We went down for the pilgrim meal, and they brought out a tureen of lentil soup first, and then it was these two... Uh, two pork chops or, or, or a pork wow. chop and a pork steak. And I was, it was just, the <laughs> wine kept flowing, you know, and I was having a, I was just, it was great. And then uh, my wife, I think uh, she felt that she maybe was over what she had and she probably ate too much. And her evening after that wasn't all that pleasant. The reflection on it was, I was amazed that we had gotten that far that day, just, just of what uh, we had been through for the last, uh, couple of days with the uh, illnesses and the, and the leg issues with tendons and everything. And I think it was just feeling ready for the girls to feel better. It's funny that you reflect on injuries and some ill feelings because my last experience on this stretch, it was pretty brutal. My, my, stu- <laughs> my student group had what we, we ultimately just decided to call the plague hit. Uh, right after we passed through Casa Dia de la Cueza. And I don't know what caused it, what happened, but about five or six people in the group over the course of the next 10 kilometers just started vomiting almost uncontrollably. And it persisted for the better part of the next 24 hours. We were staying in Moratinos that night. So we, we had a bit further to walk. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I just, I have never felt worse for an Ospitalero <laughs> than I did oh, right. um, for poor right. Bruno in Moratinos when I brought this um, just totally infected group uh, into the albergue and they proceeded to just uh, <laughs> really uh, make full use of the bathroom facilities for the next uh, oh, next day. Man. It's a tricky thing because there are sometimes these rumors about bad water on the Camino and That's particularly right. in this stretch, but, but, I, but I'll hear also from people like Rebecca Scott who live there who swear that the water's just fine. So, you know, we were all drinking from the same water and only half of us got sick. So, so I, I just, I, I can't pin down exactly what caused it, but whatever it was, right. it was bad. Right. And we heard the same thing that we shouldn't be drinking the water, the tap water between, from Burgos mm-hmm. to Lyon. And so we thought, okay, so we did buy some bottle, you know, buying bottled water and everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, like uh, just one of us had gotten ill and the, and the other two of us were, were fine, you know, and mm-hmm. we had been drinking water out of the Fuentes the, the whole time, filling up every chance we had. So for, I think part of it was that wanting the girls to feel better, wanting Kathleen and Gay to just feel better so they could enjoy their Camino a little bit more. Mm. But I was really, I was proud of them that day. I was surprised we did leave uh, Gary on. And, you know, when you when you stay, just staying over an extra night, you know, when I look back over some of my, my journal notes and everything, and you look at the different things, all the things that you put into one day, it's like, wow, you know, it was like we spent a week there. Yep. Uh, and just those extra days, seem to uh, you can load up so much without even realizing most guidebooks or, or at least some of them will suggest walking through to Terradios de los templarios so you had that first little stretch set up for you the next morning and where did you head to on day two well we were heading for uh shagun mm-hmm. and uh that was uh we wanted to see how you know how it felt once we got there and the, the girls were, like I said, they were starting to feel a little better and everything. And we stopped. There was a place in 
Moratinos, I think, or yeah. somewhere around there, where there, there's this little, it's like a relatively new hostel, mm-hmm. however, it's a elevated Albergate private, and they're run by a German German couple, I think, or she was from Germany, and I don't know if he was from England or whatever, but they had the best, they had eggs, they had ham, they had toast, <laughs> they had orange juice, and it was so good. You know, I was ready for a, a, a you know, <laughs> breakfast like that. Not, you know, I'm not complaining, you know, it was, but it was like, whoa, yep. this is really, really good. I don't know how long we sat in there. And um, this was, I think this was the part, the stretch right in there that we started first seeing what we called the uh, the hobbit holes, the, uh, yeah. the, the, the storage, storage cellars. That, uh, the bodegas. The yeah, the, the mounds with the little windows and the doors and everything. And I think this is where we started first uh, noticing them uh, along the uh, along the Camino. Yeah, that's exactly right. So that was that was fascinating. So the sun was out that day. We were starting to feel good. Kathleen befriended a young woman from uh, South Korea, uh, Yoon Hee, who was walking the Camino to make two mm-hmm. life decisions what her new career was going to be and if she get, she should get married or not. So, uh, you know, that's wow. just another piece about uh, people walk the Camino for different reasons. And, uh, and we ran, we ran into her several times uh, for the rest of the journey, which were very serendipitous when, when we would meet up again. So outside of Shagun, the girls had, they've been dealing with blisters. Fortunately, I didn't have mm-hmm. any blisters the whole way. Nice. I had some, uh, I had some knee issues and went uh, with one, but uh, nothing overly physical. And we really worked at keeping our packs light. So the girls, uh, they said they were going to they wanted to sit down and doctor their blisters. And uh, I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk on in town. I headed on in the Shagun, found a nice little cafe at, at one of the, at the square. Mm-hmm. And uh, had me a couple of beers, <laughs> had, had a sandwich, um, and just waited. Mm-hmm. And uh, just kind of uh, relaxed, talked to a few other pilgrims that uh, had seen on the, the path and watched some others go through and just kind of sat there in the sun, just relaxing and waiting for the girls to show up. A nice morning. It was. And when they finally made it, they were ready to, first the talk was about staying in town mm-hmm. and uh, staying in Shagun. We refreshed ourselves a little bit. The, the woman at the cafe, she was really concerned about the girls' feet. They had their shoes off again and checking themselves out. And it's uh, it's always interesting, the, the the locals who see people, pilgrims coming through every day, and that they really have a genuine interest in, uh, in how you're doing, if there's anything they can do to help. And, you know, there's, and there's thousands of us that come through. Mm-hmm. All, all along the time, and they and they still, it's just very um, heartwarming to have somebody that doesn't speak English, and uh, and I don't speak Spanish, and but still to uh, take a moment and uh, just care about you, even if it's for thirty seconds or a minute, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know that's to me that's what a lot of the, the Camino is. So we picked up some supplies in Shagun, uh, and we were headed out, and. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the bridge right outside over, is it Rio Sia, I think. And as you head mm-hmm. out of town, and so I walked on ahead. I was feeling good. My pace was always a little bit faster. And, and so I'm on the other side taking a picture or two, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And all of a sudden, uh, I see Kathleen coming across the bridge, and she's by herself. And I thought, oh. She said, Gay can't go on. She said she's going to stay in town. Her legs just won't Ooh. take it. And she's going to look at uh, maybe getting the bus or waving up a couple of days. And uh, Kathleen had tears in her eyes. It was, uh, you know, we had been together and our plan was to finish together. And uh, mm-hmm. Kathleen said, I told her that, that we would wait outside Santiago for her. And uh, we, would <laughs> find, we would wait until she caught up with us and we'd walk in together. So... We uh, talked to each other for a few minutes, talked about how, you know, this was part of our Camino, you know, becoming close with somebody and then having to separate. And so we decided to head on out and head for Albergo Ranero along, mm-hmm. along the highway stretch. And, yeah. and then right at the roundabout, we decided to uh, actually, we said, no, let's go. We felt like in uh, Hermanillo's that our options were better mm-hmm. for albergues. 
And so we headed up the path there, which is pretty, pretty desolate, pretty good haul. And yeah, let me jump in for yeah, yeah, uh, let me ahead. jump in for a minute. I want to set up that sure. route that you just took. So I, I think Saagoon is is an easily overlooked spot along this route because mm. so many of the guidebooks now don't position you to spend the night there. But if you're looking for a place with historical significance, oh, yeah. like Saagoon is loaded with historic significance. I mean, it has the remains of a major early Christian martyr with San Facundo. It is a major center for Muslim-Christian tensions in the 8th through 10th centuries and beyond. The Cluniac Monastery, very famous, comes in and takes charge of the monastery in Saagoon in the 11th century. And then in the Peninsula War, the French completely demolished the town when they were quartered here in in 1812 so while today it's it's certainly barely a a shadow of its former glory it was mm-hmm. it was a huge significant place back in the day it wasn't a population like 10,000 or something and now it's, I could be wrong it was, a couple it was thousand. yeah it was huge some of the great adventures to the new world including one of the uh, most outspoken advocates for um, indigenous rights, Fray Bernardo de Saagun, came from there. So it was a place that had huge influence, far greater size back in the day. And you can you can still see the traces of that if you uh, walk around the town today. And then leaving Saagun, it's about four kilometers to where the route splits. And you just described being right. at the roundabout, making that decision. And so I think probably the more common option and the option that's a bit shorter is just continuing straight and you'd pass through Bercianos, El Burgo Ranero, Reliegos, and it's it's pretty much a straight line on like a purpose-built gravel track with purpose-built benches and purposely planted trees. I I described it at one point as as just tree tree bench because you're just right, walking on right. and it's tree <clears throat> tree right. bench and unfortunately most of the benches now are are broken so um, ah. it's it's not quite in the the state that it it was in formerly but but still most people do that there are more resources the route is is divided up more by places to stay and and resupply but the alternative is the old Roman road that basically right. has one settlement along the way, and that's Causadilla de los Hermanillos, and that's the route that you opted for. Yes, and it was, you know, it was late in the afternoon, mm-hmm. and part of the decision, and there was some uncertainty, was like, can we make it? Mm. And can we make it before dark? Not, you know, having some idea of how, how many kilometers we could cover, mm-hmm. but there was still this, you know, we know there's nothing between here and Harmonilos. And so we said, we can do it. It was a beautiful day. The sun was out, you know, it wasn't raining. It wasn't miserable as far as like the, that type of weather. And we, Kathleen and I headed out. We said, we can do this. Mm-hmm. No sooner than, no sooner than we had gotten off of the, from the roundabout and headed that way, we get a text from Gay. Mm. I'm on my way. Wow. I'm coming. And it was like, we had told her that we were headed to El Burgo. Oh no. And yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> said, "Oh, we're headed to uh, Calzadilla." And uh, I thought, "Oh my God, how's she going to make this?" You know, we were we were only a little way on the way. And um, so we decided that as we, one of the things I noticed that I thought was that's fascinating with the you know because we're walking through farmland there, but you don't see farmhouses like you would in the U.S. Mm-hmm. You don't see uh, like the family farm. It's like farm from within the local town, and everybody the the farmer drives the equipment out there, mm-hmm. and uh, and and does the farming, and then drives back to town at night and everything. So it's a, a interesting way of operating. That I thought anyway, because mm-hmm. you don't see you don't see any uh, buildings, you don't see any uh, homes or, or barns or anything like that. You're just walking for a kilometer after kilometer. Mm-hmm. So anyway. We left notes on trees, tree limbs for gay, <laughs> saying, you can make it. We're just ahead. You can do this. And uh, so we got to um, Hermanilos and uh, walked into Via Trajana. Mm-hmm. And it was like a luxury hotel. <laughs> That's how we felt. The place was brand new. 
we, you know, they have a, a they had a cafe or a patio out front. The beds all had nice linens. We had towels. It was just individual baths with showers. Mm-hmm. It was just it's just like what every pilgrim craves for to have that to be uh, taken care of and uh, feel comforted. So we were sitting out having a couple of beers. And one thing was is that uh, as we were walking there again, we saw Parmenilos off in the distance, mm-hmm. and then the road dipped down, and it, like, disappeared for a couple <laughs> of kilometers, you know. <laughs> and it was like, oh, we thought we were right there, you know. So anyway, we're, we're uh, enjoying ourselves, having uh, a couple of beers and some olives and stuff, and I kept getting out uh, my monocular looking way down the road to waiting for Gay and uh, waiting for this white hat to appear that she always wears. And all of a sudden, kind of uh, off in the distance there, in, in the, some of the, as the sun was starting to set, here she comes. Wow. And we ran out to uh, meet her and get her pack from her and, and bring her back, you know, up to the uh, hostel there and get her something to drink and, and get her something to eat and, even though it was just that afternoon, it felt like we had been separated for days, mm. and now we were back together. And it, uh, you know, it was we. It was hard to fathom going on without each other, and mm. uh, we just it felt uh, it felt good to be back to, together. That's awesome. That's a great experience, and you know that walk for me to Casa Dia de los Hermanos is. Is, is really a, a beautiful stretch of walking. Like there are more trees along that stretch than, mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. you've seen in a little while. The grass sometimes will grow pretty high. I particularly love that walk in the morning coming out of Saagoon as the sun is rising. It's, it's a great stretch. Was Gabe good to go the next morning as you uh, proceeded on to Mancia de las Mulas? Yeah, and we had uh, that evening, there was a couple from uh, Australia. Mm-hmm. He was a doctor, and we had met them earlier in uh, Farmista. Mm-hmm. And uh, he looked gay over and looked at her feet and everything, and then we ran into somebody else, an osteopath, Lee, from uh, a little ways back. And in fact, Gay had ridden on the train with her. And she had some uh, uh, remedy with her for stomach and uh, treated the girls for their, uh, you know, stomach condition and stuff. So we were just really well taken care of. That's awesome. And uh, the next day when we headed out from uh, from Senor there at Via Trajana, we got some supplies, we got some bread, I think we got some cheese and some water and things because we knew that the next stretch, again, there was going to be a stretch <laughs> where there wasn't anything for a while, at least uh, until Rilegos. Yeah. And if you want to turn off there, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't have to go that way. But, um, so yeah, we were, we were supplied and uh, ready to go in the morning. And, uh, and we started out at the, the break of day and, uh, again, a really flat stretch. You know, we could see the, the mountains off to the right mm-hmm. and, uh, they just kind of stayed with us all day enjoying our morning walk headed, uh, for Las Mulas. It's a long stretch. I, I, for me, this is one of the, the hardest stretches just because it is so barren. There is no shade. It is flat. It is empty. And the road is hard because you are walking on the remains of the old Roman road. So that's, those are stones right. and they're, you know, right. 2000 years later, they're still there. They're still there. And I was looking, I always look for Roman coins just in case one <laughs> pops up anywhere. You know, you never know. <laughs> I never did find any, but that uh, was always like, uh, you know, just seeing if there was anything in the cracks from here from time to time. But uh, the thing, the thing that was <clears throat> confusing was that there was a new canal put in mm-hmm. and it wasn't on our map. And when we were trying to take the little cutoff to get over to uh, Religos, mm-hmm. We got turned around a little bit and finally finally made it over there, but uh, uh, that part was confusing. Yeah, the, the way marks there have been funky on a couple of occasions. Sometimes they get turned around or uh, it's a little confusing. Yeah. So you eventually made it to Mancia de las Mulas and great place to spend the night right on the river. Really comfortable old municipal albergue that's been taking care of pilgrims for a long yeah. time. Great courtyard. Yeah. It's a lovely spot. Fascinating. It was, and they, the courtyard has uh, flowers all hanging from the walls, these really red geraniums and everything. There were a lot of people that, uh, you know, that we had uh, passed or walked a little bit along the way who had collected uh, vegetables and such and were in the kitchen making dinner. 
our pilgrimage was that when we got done for the night, and I have to remember, we're a little bit older. I, when, <laughs> when we walked into Santiago, it was two days before my 62nd birthday. So mm -hmm. uh, by the time we got done for the day, we were ready for somebody to serve us. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, we were ready for the our, our pilgrim meal and some wine and then uh, shower or whatever, if uh, that was available, and then turn in. But... Um, <laughs> You know, the, the community spirit was uh, very much alive and well there in the uh, hospital there, all did our laundry for us. And uh, uh, this was the place where, where Gay decided to start uh, shipping her back. Hmm. And we, we deemed her uh, mother pack. And uh, we put a couple of Kathleen's things in there and, uh, you know, decided that we would ship it on ahead hmm. um, now to, just to save uh, her, her legs or uh, Gay's legs were getting really really bad with uh, tendonitis and such. Mm. So we had a great evening, a nice pilgrim meal, and then uh, crawled into our bunks and had a, a really good night's sleep. And uh, got ready to go the next morning to uh, finally make our way what uh, <clears throat> can this be misleading as a relatively short walk into uh, Leon. Yeah, 17 and a half, 18 kilometers. And as is often the case, the walk into a bigger city... Right. You know, it tends to be unremarkable at best and unpleasant at worst. And I, I think this one is more on the unremarkable end of the spectrum, whereas Burgos is is probably uh, a little bit less less enjoyable. So, what what are your right. what are your reflections on this entry? Okay, so we got again. Here we are. We're getting ready to to go <laughs> in the morning, and I get I I get a little impatient because I I'm. I'm up, I'm ready to go. Yeah. And, and I'm forgetting that, you know, Kathleen's taking care of her feet and getting things ready and Gay's trying to get her stuff ready. And I'm outside, you know, like pawing at the ground, ready to go. <laughs> and they finally get down and, and I'm going, well, you know, we're trying to get out of here early today. So Kathleen got a little miffed at me for not being uh, sensitive and the part of, uh, you know, our, we're always working on our relationship and we definitely had the opportunity, or I did, to work on it that morning. <laughs> and, uh, so I said, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to head out. I'm just going to walk for a little while, you know, and, and I'll stop and let you guys catch up. So again, here's a, a bridge, you know, to go over the, uh, the river, uh, is it Esla, I think, Rio Esla, mm -hmm. outside of uh, Mulas. Yeah, I'm on the other side of the bridge, and uh, here I turn around, and here comes Kathleen by herself again. Mm -hmm. And she said, this is it. Gay's going to take the bus mm -hmm. to uh, Lyon. I said, well, okay, well, that's good. And um, uh, she said, she'll meet us there. And we had a, a, a hostel picked out, San, uh, San Martin. Mm -hmm. we, when we were into the bigger towns, one of the things we did is that uh, we've used a lot of Rick Steves information. Mm-hmm. When we travel in other parts of Europe, and his uh, recommendations for little hostels is always really good. And uh, there was one right uh, right off of the uh, Cathedral Square, San uh, Martin, mm -hmm. that was really nice. So the goal was is that Gay was going to go in, get secure us a room for the three of us, and then we would meet up with her. Mm -hmm. Kathleen and I uh, started off on a walk. We sat on a irrigation uh, trough to have breakfast only to discover about 10 more paces around the corner was a nice picnic table <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, uh, you know it was a little precarious crossing the one bridge that's really narrow that's uh, kind of uh, there's a warning on your uh, on your maps about that mm. uh, in Valorente uh, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, I think they've got a new pedestrian bridge probably built by now so so we were actually, all in all, we were in pretty good spirits, and the day kept going on. The sun was, was shining pretty bright. It was getting pretty warm. One time we stopped by a cemetery to uh, take off our shoes for a while. We watched one of the local uh, senoras come up, and I think she blessed every single gravestone in there while we were sitting there. <laughs> and uh, it, just, it was enjoyable just to listen to her. And so, so we trudged on into Lyon. And uh, we crossed the highway, and we could see the spires of the cathedral, and we're thinking we're almost there. I didn't know that, that Kathleen was in such pain. Her shoulders were hurting her, her feet were hurting her. Mm. And it seemed like it took us forever to get through town. And mm. I had to, like, basically say, we're almost there. Just keep on going. Keep your head down. Look for the arrows. 
those, those magnificent yellow markers. And I said, we're almost there. I just keep going. So it was a very, it was a very intense, uh, painful day for her and, and very tiring, hmm. very frustrating. Cause part of the frustration was we were wanting to have, I think we were so wanting to have this, this room, uh, knowing that we had a place and Gay had texted back and forth to us and that she was out shopping for shoes and she was, they were having a, they were <laughs> going to have a birthday party for Father Frank, a priest from Chicago, wonderful man. It was his birthday. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're at the cafe Albany uh, by a cathedral. So you got to come by for the party. Kathleen's like, I don't know what, I don't <laughs> want any part to do with a party. I just, do you have a room? If you don't have a room, uh, we're going to go straight there and see if we can get it. Finally, she texted and she said, the room won't be ready until after one. I was like, oh, thank mm. God, we do have the place. <laughs> so that that part was, uh, there was a lot of frustration involved there. So the walk had mm. that uh, element to it. And, and with the uh, what felt like 30 kilometers that day when it was only like 18 yeah. was uh, almost overwhelming. I found that sometimes the short days are tough because yeah. you mentally psych yourself out right you think you're gonna roll out of bed and knock off those 18 kilometers when like you know in real life at home when would you ever go out and walk 11 miles that would be an incredible distance to go walk so you just lose sight right and you're coming in coming into this urban area and it's concrete and there's a lot more noise you got to really watch out more about where you're going Uh, you really got to focus so we we're almost there we're coming up at last main street up towards uh, cathedral square and you can st- you still can't see the cathedral you know you thought you'd be <laughs> able to see this thing we passed the uh building uh, by gaudi and then turn right and you keep yeah. going yeah and so i think kathleen is to the play- point where she can maybe take two more steps and all of a sudden we hear somebody say there they are and <laughs> it's like it all came together for me right there i mean I, all these people jumped up and people we had been walking with. And I started looking around. They came and they hugged us and they, had, they took our packs from us. They sat us down. All of a sudden, there were a couple of cold beers that Gay got for us. Somebody ordered salads. We had food and they're all talking and just uh, so thankful we're there. And I start looking around and I mean, there were people from New Zealand, Germany, England, Slovenia, Australia, South Korea. And in, in uh, the Netherlands, all these people were from all these different places in the country, or in the world, were, were like our, our, our friends. And it's like the main goal for everybody was just to help you get from one place to the next. And they didn't, nothing, nothing else mattered. They didn't care what religion you were. They didn't care about politics. It was like all that disappeared. And to me, that that was my Camino. It was like this narrow ribbon running from point A to point B that contained all the different cultures and all the different uh, nationalities that were there to help one another. And it like simplified everything. So to me, I mean, that, that, was, my, that was my best moment of the whole Camino, to sit with these people that I, that I really felt like I knew. That's awesome, man. Thanks for thanks for sharing it with me. Yeah, it was yeah. it was great. It was <laughs> and it was a great party. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> That's a good spot for a party, man. Oh, it, it's the it's the best spot. I mean, Kathleen and I after we uh, you know checked in and uh, we got uh, cleaned up, we went back that evening and we sat uh, at the, another little cafe right next door. And the young lady uh, who waited on us, we just wanted some nice wine some uh, 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 Crienza and um, yeah. and she's, she served us and we just sat there and watched the light come up on the cathedral. And, it, and it's like, uh, it's like a fairyland. It's like magic. And uh, the interesting part there, we went back there again the next night to get, have some wine again and sit there. There was a different you know, lady waiting on us, but the, the, and she, she didn't understand. We couldn't express to her what it was we wanted. We were wanting, but the young lady who waited on us the night before was just happened to be walking by, but like it was her night <laughs> off and she stepped in and she said, no, she told her what, and we got exactly what I wanted, you know, what we wanted. And it's like, it's, it's those moments like that, that it's like, you know, it, it, the, the world spawned. 
having now arrived in Leon, we turn next to the mountains. And there are at least two more episodes to come in this series focused on rewalking the Camino Frances. We've got Leon de Fonse Badon and Fonse Badon de Osabrero in the next episode. And that'll be followed by Osabrero to Porto Marin and Porto Marin to Santiago. And as of now, only one of those episodes has been taken. Uh, Bob spoke with me about Fonse Badon de Osabrero, so that's that's out. But if anybody else out there wants to jump in and get involved and speak with me for, for one of those other stretches of the Camino Francais, please do get in touch, CaminoPodcast at gmail.com. And I imagine we'll do the walk to Finisterre as well for good measure. Why the heck not? It's, you know, brings a sense of closure maybe that Santiago doesn't for some. So I feel like we need to do that just to cover everybody's bases. That's going to do it for this episode. I really want to thank Miguel and Ross for being quite patient. I've had that Meseta, I've had this episode recorded for quite a while, um, and I've just been waiting for episode 21 to come together before I could put this out there. So uh, they've been quite patient, and I appreciate it. I appreciate them making the time to be involved in the episode. And as always, I appreciate all of you listening. It's uh, it's pretty cool. 22 episodes and now off to Spain. And again, if you're going to be on the Camino del Norte in particular at any point in July, get in touch. And if you think you're going to be arriving in Santiago at the end of July, also get in touch. We may well overlap while we're in Spain, and I'd love to talk with you there. So don't hesitate to write CaminoPodcast at gmail.com and also the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Camino Podcast. Always great to hear from people. If I don't get another episode of the podcast up over the course of July, please bear with me. Episodes will be back in August and we'll come back strong. So thanks, have a great summer, and I hope to talk to you soon.